You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Romans 1.16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. We're not to be demon hunters. And our message is what gives us power over the demonic world. Without that message, we would have no power in Jesus' name. And so we're not demon hunters. But when we share the message and, and things connected to that message, hell has to flee. How often are you reading your Bible? Once a week? Every day? In today's message, Pastor Danny will encourage you to be intentional in your appreciation of the Bible. In some countries, the Bible is banned, with punishments ranging from imprisonment to death. Here in our Western world, we wouldn't think twice about walking down the street with a Bible in hand. We wouldn't sweat it if someone saw a Bible app on our phone. Make the most of the access you have to the Bible each day. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark chapter 3 as he continues his message, Jesus' Call and Commission. Mark chapter 3 is where we are. I'm not going to read the text again. Let me assure you that when we pause at a passage, it's not because I'm looking to use it for my own advantage. In other words, I'm not thinking about, here's five people that needed to hear what we said and a little more deeply. No, no, I'm doing it because I feel led of the Lord. And so I want to spend more time in the passage we dealt with. And the short of that passage is Jesus called uh, from the crowd those to him And from the crowd that he called unto him and those that came, he chose 12, designating them apostles. Apostle means a delegate, one sent out with orders. That's an apostle. These 12 that he chose, one would be replaced because one is the devil from the beginning, that is Judas. Nevertheless, these 12 men were the starting lineup for the Super Bowl of Christianity. Ephesians 4 tells us that the whole Christian thing is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. All the prophets predicted about the coming Messiah. Now he's come and Jesus selects these guys. And it's their success or lack of it that everything else is riding on. And so we talked about their calling, their character, and their commission. And in their commission, there are three things in the commission from the text. One is, he chose these 12, first, that they might be with him. Second, that he might send them out to preach. Third, that they might have authority 
over evil spirits. We mentioned that they're going out with power over evil spirits was connected to their message. Romans 1.16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. We're not to be demon hunters. And our message is what gives us power over the demonic world. Without that message, we would have no power in Jesus' name. And so we're not demon hunters. But when we share the message and, and things connected to that message, hell has to flee. But now in that commission, that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach and have authority over evil spirits. And the authority is connected to the preaching. It means proclaiming, heralding, sharing. Everything in terms of that commission is riding on the first of those three parts, that they might be with him. Acts 4.13, when some of the apostles stood before the Supreme Court of their day and the Jewish leadership, and it says they looked at these guys and they said, wow. <laughs> they noted, what did they note? Their courage, and they noted that they had been with Jesus. That's what gave them their courage. That's what made them successful. And so success in the Christian life and success in our calling as Christians is dependent on us being with him. And so I want to spend more time on that. Now, we have a specific commission and a general commission. The specific commission these apostles, they were designated apostles, and I mentioned other than their specific designation as apostles, and that was in the sovereign plan and will of God, they're just like you and me. But they were called to be apostles. You may not be called to be an apostle. Uh, I'm called to be a pastor and a teacher. God's gifted me for that. People tell me that. If he hasn't gifted me for that, what in the world do you keep coming back here for? I mean, really, in all honesty... If I don't have some kind of gifting for what God's called me to, then there would be no fruit because I'd be trying to do something that he hasn't called me to and that he has empowered me and gifted me for. And so whatever he's called us to in terms of that specific commission, he'll equip you for it. He'll gift you for it. Okay? So whatever it is. So there's a specific commission in terms of exactly what he's called each individual Christian to do and to be. But then there's a general commission. Go into all the world. That's for all of us. And, and in Matthew 28, Greek scholars tell us that the, the word go, go means literally as you are going, as you are going. There's an official sending of people in missions, and Jesus did that, but there's also a general sending. All of us are called to be missionaries in our world, wherever we are. And that's why there are verses like this. Because in the same way there's a specific commission and a general commission, there is a specific message, the gospel. And without the gospel, death, burial, resurrection, nobody will be saved. But there's also a general witness. There's a specific witness in sharing the gospel message. But there's a general witness, and that's our life. That's why you have verses like this. Now, to, make, to help you be fully awake. Let's say it. I know it's a mouthful, but let's say it. We don't have to rush through it. You ready? Everybody say it with me. Here we go. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, 
giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So whether you're flipping burgers or you're the CEO of the company, if you're a Christian, you work as unto the Lord. That's what you're called to do. And people ought to be able to see just simply the way we do things. We ought to be the most faithful, honest, hard-working people in that workplace. And just that alone is a witness that we're followers of Christ. That's the general commission. Now, I mentioned last week, and it's very practical, so I'll say it again. That doesn't mean that every time you do something at work or anywhere else, you say, I'm doing this in Jesus' name. That makes you weird. Weird in an unnecessary way. We're already weird to the world. But don't be weird in an unchristlike manner. Let's be weird in a Christ-like manner. You with me? To do it in his name means that I'm doing it for him. I'm doing it motivated because I'm a follower of him. I'm a disciple of Christ. That's what motivates me. That's what it means to do it in his name. You have verses like Titus 2 verse 10 talking about lifestyle there as well. And that lifestyle should cause the teaching about God our Savior, Jesus, attractive. What he says. You have verses like Philippians chapter 2 verses 14 and 15. Do everything without arguing or complaining. I know it's a challenge. So that you will shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. And people should, as you be mature in the Lord, uh, you, why, do you, why are you not complaining? Everybody else is complaining. You, nobody got a raise. Why are you not complaining? Because your trust is in the Lord. Now, I realize we all make mistakes as Christians. We argue, complain, etc. What's the mark there that we're truly his? You ask forgiveness. You say, Lord, I don't want to do that again. And if you did it in front of other people and you failed in your witness, you say, I'm really sorry, you know. So we got that. Our lifestyle. As you are going. Jesus said in John 15, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing of eternal value. Nothing that gets God the glory. Listen, I, there, there are people that are very charismatic that can build a church. But if they build it, they'll have to maintain it. And if they build it, they'll get credit for it. Jesus said, you lift me up, I'll build my church. I want Jesus to build the church. And by the way, if he builds it, he maintains it. I love what Pastor Chuck Smith said years ago being interviewed by L.A. Times or somebody like that. And he said, do you know you're the third largest congregation in America? He said, no, I didn't know that. He said, what do you do to get all these people? He said, we don't do anything to get them, and we don't do anything to keep them. Now, I know what he meant by that. He wasn't saying we don't care if they come or they don't. He's saying this is the Lord. We have responsibility, but it's the Lord's church. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, this verse speaks of being with him, being with him, and being with him. That's, that's, that's the crucial thing. Everything's riding on that. Everything. My success in the Christian life and my success in my calling as a Christian. Everything's riding on being with him. 
So I want to talk about two very important aspects of being with him. And the first one you might not realize, but it's absolutely essential, essential. And it's this, Christian community. You know, being at church, we call it going to church. And we're going to be real technical. You know, we are the church. We come together as the church. The building's not the church. We leave here. God doesn't sleep here. It's not his house. This is not his house. You're his house. I'm his house. In the Old Testament, he had a physical house that he would come down and dwell. But in the New Testament, he indwells us. We're the temple of God. So this is not a temple of God. We're the temple. And we come together in his name. I don't know if anybody happened to slip in here and you didn't know this was a church service. <laughs> if you did, welcome. You might have said, well, I thought I was going shopping. I thought this was Walmart. No, this is now Soul Mart. That's what some people call it. That's what I say, I don't know. But Christian community, you know, let me, let me be very honest with you. Before I'm very honest with you, let me share this verse. Jesus said, where two or three come together in my name, and again, my name, that's the reason for being together, because of Jesus. There am I with them. There am I with them. How practical is that? That's Christian community. And it's essential for success. Sanctification, sanctification, what does sanctification mean? Sanctification means to set something apart for a specific purpose. I gave this illustration last time. Didn't think about it ahead of time. Just gave it, but I think about it again. Uh, you can sanctify your remote control. If you've ever had your kids lose your remote control, maybe you want to get more than one and sanctify one. And you say, this is dad's. All right. This is mine. You got my name on it. You write your name on it. Dad, right, don't touch or you're out of the family. You know, is that serious? That's what it means to sanctify something. You're sanctifying it for a particular purpose. And so we're to be sanctified as Christians, followers of Christ, okay? Sanctification cannot be complete apart from Christian community. That's why you have verses like this. Let us not give up meeting together. And notice this middle part, as some are in the habit of doing. If you're like me, if you've been part of this church fellowship for a number of years, I bet you, like me, can think of somebody that's not here right now, and it's not that they're not here because they're in another fellowship locally here where they're serving the Lord. If they're in another fellowship where they're serving the Lord and growing and being sanctified, I say, praise the Lord. We're just, a, we're just one fellowship of many fellowships, and ultimately the church is only one church. You understand that, right? And so if somebody's not here that used to be here, maybe even a leader here, but they're somewhere else in a local fellowship, praise the Lord. But if you're like me, you can also think of some people, they're not with another fellowship. They're part of what this verse talks about. They are the some who are in the habit of doing the opposite of what this verse says. Don't give up meeting together, and they're in the habit now of not meeting together. But let us encourage one another. And all the more, and I take that in the context, meet together more often as you see the day approaching, the day of Jesus is coming. The more often we are here like this, the more sanctified, the more it helps our sanctification. Let me give you a very personal illustration. 
I'm be totally honest. There's some weekends, sometimes Wednesdays, some weekends, Saturday night, Sunday morning services, Wednesday night service, I just do not feel like coming. And then either my wife says it or I'm reminded of it, you have to go, you're the pastor. And unless I'm away on vacation or off doing something else in ministry, I'm like, I guess I need to be there if I still want a job. My responsibility. And here's what, now this, listen, I can think of times that I didn't want to come. But I can't remember one time I came, not one, that during the worship time I wasn't encouraged, personally. I can't think of one time that the Lord didn't minister to me in the song service, in the worship time. And so this meeting is essential. And you know, there's a whole movement that's lessening the importance of this meeting. There's a whole Christian, well, suppose, calling themselves Christian movement. It's not only lessening the importance of meetings like this. They're saying, well, you really don't have to get, be part of a church, a formal church. There's movement suggesting that. That's unbiblical. It's also very independent. Obey your leaders, submit to their authority. Ordain leaders. You find, listen, I'm not going to get off on all that, but this meeting has a purpose, and that purpose helps sanctify us because this meeting, when we come together in his name, he's in our midst. And so by being in this meeting, we're with him, and it has a sanctifying effect. The Lord gave me this. I didn't steal it from somebody. Um, well, before I get to that, from this large meeting, here's what is very biblical and also essential. Go with me to Acts chapter 2. And let me show you. Acts, I believe, is the blueprint for the New Testament church. I believe if you want to know what the New Testament church should look like and be like, the book of Acts is the blueprint. Verse 46 of Acts 2, and there's also a movement within professing Christianity. One of my former, one of my friends, I don't know if, I don't know if he still calls me his friend. He used to be a leader in this church, moved back to California, been in California now for years. And he's part of a, a, a movement that suggests that people that believe in a meeting like this, where we're meeting in a church building that we're paying for, and part of our offerings to the Lord are paying for a building like this, that we're anathema. In other words, we're out of the will of God. I'm like, where do you get that kind of thinking? Look at this. Verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That's a building. A building that Herod built. But it was a building where they came together corporately. And the New Testament church took advantage of it. They met. Daily. In the temple courts. But then it says... They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, the grace that God was working in all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 3,000 people get saved on the day of Pentecost, so the church goes from 120, 120 people to 3,120 people. That's 3,000 plus people meeting every day in the temple courts publicly, like we're meeting here. But that large meeting, while it had its place, and by the way, if you go back to verse 46 or verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Where did they mainly teach? In the temple courts, publicly like this. 
Doesn't mean you can't do a smaller Bible study, but, but they were teaching mainly the large group gatherings of the church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. That's when they went to their homes. Let me give you another very practical illustration. Some of us that have been a part of this church for a while, when we have that little period after the worship song service uh, and we say, say, say hi to somebody. You sit in the same area every week. You have other people that sit in the same area. And at the very least, you have been saying hi to them long enough now that you know them on a first name basis. You might even know where they work. <clears throat> some of us, maybe you said, hey, you want to go to lunch together? And maybe you go to lunch on some kind of regular basis. And you get to know one another better. But let me tell you this. If, if in that same group, let's just say you got eight to ten people around you that you say hi to pretty much regularly in a church service here. Take those eight, ten to twelve people. Go to somebody's home. Have a meal. Or even without the meal. Hang out for two or three hours. Maybe have a Bible study. But you hang out afterwards. You have coffee. You have whatever, you know. And you just sit around and talk. You do that, and you do that regularly, your relationship deepens. And you'll find that some people in that group, you seem to draw closer to than even others. That happened with these 12. Not that Jesus loved one more than the other, or these more than those. But you find Peter, James, and John became his inner circle of the inner circle. They got to go places with him that the other nine didn't go. And among those three, John became known as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Not that he didn't love the others. Why do you think he didn't choose 24? 36. He chose 12. That they might be with him because it's those 12 people. And him being the center of their whole reason for life. And as their relationships deepened, they were more sanctified. Folks, nothing has changed. If you don't take this meeting to what the blueprint in the book of Acts takes it, and other scriptures in the New Testament clearly take it, please understand, you'll never, ever be totally sanctified. You can attend this church for 20 years and never go as deep as the Lord intends you to go because your Christian community is so limited and your relationships with other believers are so shallow that he can't take you where he wants to take you because you haven't taken the steps to get there. I say that in all love, but that's the truth. Here's what the Lord gave me. Relationships built through more intimate church gatherings are essential for Christian growth, maturity, and stability. That's exactly what the word backs up. Now let me tell you the second thing. By the way, that's why we have what we call life groups. They're not the only means of Christian community on a smaller scale, more deep scale. There are other ways to do that. Just getting involved and serving can help do that. Uh, our first life group, I don't know what we called it then. I think it was called kinship groups. And I started the first one or one of the first ones and only two people came and they came just to hand me a bowl of chili and say, we can't stay. 
honest to God. Thanks for joining us today on The Living Word. In this study of the book of Mark, Pastor Danny has been unpacking how time and time again, Jesus showed himself as a servant throughout his life here on earth. He was a prime example of what we should strive for as we live our days to the best of our ability. Most times, serving comes at a cost or a sacrifice for those you're serving, but it's worth it in the end. Jesus exemplified this with his sacrifice on the cross, serving us in the most ultimate life-altering way. We trust that this gives you hope, perseverance, and an ambition to serve those around you in a way that reflects Jesus to others. If you want to hear this teaching in the Book of Mark again, you'll find it by visiting our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. You can also connect with us through social media. Look for links to Facebook, Instagram, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way you'll be notified as soon as we upload new videos. We also invite you to join our Bible reading program, also under the Resources tab at ccfstpete.church. If you're looking for a church, we'd be happy to meet you at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. All the information you need is at ccfstpete.church, along with links to join us through the live stream. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in and learning more on The Living Word.